0: Good to see you again. We're just changing kids' clothes while we're at church. Come on. I mean, just changing diapers, that works. Hey, we are, we are so glad you are here this morning. Let me give you um, one disappointing announcement. Uh, we had made a call this week that we're going to need to go ahead and cancel our uh, Merge Kids Day Retreat and our Merge uh, Teens Summer Retreat. Uh, if you have an issue with that, it's Chris's fault. Somehow, uh, he didn't make the call, but we're going to blame it on him. If you think it's a good call, then let's—it's mine. I, you know, I'll take that. And so uh, we're going to go ahead with the uh, changing of the news and the stories, and not knowing where we're going to end up being in the next couple, of, or in the next month or so. Uh, we've decided we're just going to go ahead and make that easier on the families and make it easier on the teams that we're going to be leading those things. And so uh, that's the disappointing part. Uh, the, the good part is that you're here and that we're here and, um, and that we sent out an email this week talking about,
1: I know,
0: uh, we sent out an email this week talking about, uh, just our encouragement of, of, wearing masks while in motion. Uh, now what my, my concern in that is that we would feel, um, judged or not judged based on what we're doing and that's, that cannot be further from the truth. Uh, as we get news coming in from our state and as we make decisions from uh, what the state recommends, uh, our desires always be part of a solution. Uh, and so as we strive for that, understand the next couple weeks, at least through, I think it's August 3rd as it's listed now, uh, we're just going to be encouraging wearing masks until you get to your seat. Uh, if you're like, well, I'm not wearing a mask, we're, that's great. We get you. That's not a problem. Uh, and so... I think that's all the announcements that we had. Is that right, Chris? Awesome, awesome. All right, Chris. I broke, I yeah, broke, I broke
2: another string. I'm sorry. You I, broke another string. So we're gonna go on a five-string uh, deal here. That's just the way it works.
0: Gosh, it's hard having friends, guys. Seriously. Hey, we're we're so glad you're here. Let's take a moment. Let's stand to our feet. Let's wave to some people. Say it's good to see you. feel like I was getting a good reading. Yeah. Hey, Alan. Hey, man. I really need
2: morning, amen. Father, your presence is an open door, and we get to, uh, together, uh, worship you, to celebrate you, to sing of our love, our adoration for you. What a beautiful name you are. What a beautiful name that you have. What a powerful name. Sing this word, this prayer to you right now. I pray that our hearts are set right for you. We love you, your son's beautiful name. We pray these things. the earth will shout your praise we desperately need that right now that it would be our desire to shout your praise sing
0: You have your Bibles, let's go ahead, open them up. Uh, we're going Psalm chapter 1. Uh, if you're looking for Psalm 1, uh, find Psalm 2 and then go one left uh, and you'll find it. And so, uh, my money says it's on the exact same page uh, in your Bible. And so, uh, we are, uh, we've are. we been discussing these, these past few weeks some lessons that we can learn during our season of pandemic and uh, and I believe this season has, has brought with it a lot of revealing factors uh, when it comes to our lives about, about how we live and, and how we prioritize and, and what happens when the flow of our life is interrupted by situations uh, that are outside of our control. And, uh, and we've attempted to speak into the ways uh, we spend our time uh, as we, we evaluate how we spend that time and we, we walk in the word as it says that we would use uh, we would make the best use of our time and uh, and really what we try to discuss is that any time that we spend we would be spending it for the sake of the gospel uh, that it's not a sin to be busy uh, but if that busyness interrupts our desire to grow uh, in Christ then we have uh, a priority issue in our lives and uh, we spent a week talking about what it said when our collective run to grab toilet paper uh, you know what what it was saying about our anxieties and our worry and and we lean heavily into some words of Jesus's as he as he shows us the heart of the Father and he reminds us about how God's care for us is incredibly beautiful uh, that that he says all you have to do is, is look at the flowers of the field and the birds of the air and see how God cares for them and then this great reminder of of are you not of more value to God than they are uh, and then uh, last week we discussed the importance of of spiritual development really of our families and how the primary development of our spiritual lives should be happening. First in the home, uh, and then secondly, uh, as a supplement, what's happening in the church, and uh, and that means that that us parents, we have this incredible privilege of leading our children in the ways of God. We do, in fact, uh, us husbands and fathers. It, it was like a sneak attack Father's Day lesson uh, when we when we leaned in pretty heavily and said, you know, um, just driving your family to church isn't enough. Uh, that, that you have a biblical role to play in the spiritual development of your family. You get to help your kids see God. You get to help your spouse understand God's treatment of them by how you are treating them. And, uh, and, and we said it's, it's really, um, well, honestly, we said it's negligence if, if your attempt is saying, well, if I just drive them to church, then we can outsource the spiritual development of my family to other people. Uh, that it's negligent and we have to be willing to do better uh, and now uh, this will be our, our last week in uh, in this series in the next couple of weeks I want us to dive back into the back portion of the book of Hebrews that if you'll remember we were in Hebrews before all of this kind of started uh, and so we're gonna we're gonna jump back into that n- next week but uh, And and I say this will be our last week of this series as if, you know, we are not continuing to be in the thick of a pandemic. Uh, And so, you know, I reserve the right to come back in at any point and talk about some stuff. But um, but where we are this morning is, I I was hoping to spend some time talking about the weight we allow differing and, and at times competing voices have in our lives. Um, when we have so many voices, how do we strive to find truth? And how do we, how do we operate in a world that really, uh, admittedly, seems to not even know what it wants uh, at all? And so that's kind of what we're going to be trying to deal with this morning. And, and hopefully we're going to see this uh, clearly in, in Psalm 1. And so let's pray and then uh, we'll further along. Father, we come to you and we thank you that You care for us and that You love us. And we pray over these next few moments that, that through the power of Your Holy Spirit, He would speak to our hearts, that we would be uh, made aware of, of at times the conflict that we feel with all the voices that are uh, coming in our lives. And, and we pray that we would hear with crystal clear understanding your Holy Spirit and Your Word. We love You. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, "Amen." Now, okay, uh, one one thing I have that's become painfully and regretfully, um, regretfully apparent to me over these past few months is our inclination as a society toward division. Uh, almost by it, it almost becomes our default position now. I mean, we could we could talk about the varying responses of how best to slow the spread of, of COVID-19. Uh, as, as one would say that masks are vital to our safety, another will say they're relatively useless, and, and then another group will say, you know, either way I'm kind of out because um, they're uncomfortable to me, and uh, this is America, and nobody can tell me what to do, right? And uh, we, we've heard from organizations and, and departments uh, who who make definitive statements about how COVID nineteen spreads, and then they come back and like, well, maybe it's not exactly what we just said that it was, and uh, and for a while, you know, it's incubating on surfaces, so don't touch surfaces and stop licking surfaces, you know, um, as if that's what a lot of you were doing. Don't act like you weren't. Um, and 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 our government has has issued guidelines and mandates and. And efforts to kind of curb the spread of the virus. And, and what I find really interesting is, is even that's greatly debated along party lines and as to the true motives of, of, of with both sides ultimately claiming the high ground. Uh, regardless of what they're saying, everybody's on the high ground. And, and what results is that all of a sudden, and I say this with love, uh, but all of a sudden we are all medical experts, right? Uh, and, and we have discerned the hidden motives of those in authority, and and everyone seems to have an opinion, even if we don't have all the facts. Considering we've really uh, have started from a place of complete surprise, uh, and and we're quick to to post articles and and enter debates while trusting the. The authenticity and the accuracy of our findings. And we say, well, I read this meme the other day. Uh, And let me just tell you, if you're quoting a meme, it probably isn't true. Okay? It's a meme, people. Um, Or or we could switch gears just a bit and we could talk about the the tragic events that surround the death of, of George Floyd. Right? We could... We can talk about the protests taking a place across our nation and the differing responses and, and the differing solutions that have been offered. And again, regardless of, of your views and your thoughts, uh, the high ground is crowded with us all somehow. And, and, and everyone seems to be on it as, as debates rage surrounding black lives mattering and, and all lives mattering and, and defunding the police and, and backing the blue. And, and, and can we agree... That regardless of our affiliations, that, that we are incredibly divided as a people. Uh, we are. In fact, um, we rarely ever talk about anything political on Sundays. Uh, and that's, that's by design. Uh, and, and that design is simply this. I don't, I don't believe it is. Uh, I don't believe the pulpit should be used for politics because I've been entrusted um, with, with a stewardship to help those who are far from God find life in Jesus. Uh, and then to help encourage and to challenge those who are in Christ to make much of Him with their lives. Uh, in fact, there, there's, there's two voices that I'm always reminded of when it comes to that role. Uh, one of them is, is Count Nicholas Zendenzorf. Uh, and, and one of his most favorite lines, and I'm like, that makes so much sense. Uh, he says, He says, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. And I'm like... All right, that sounds good then i 'm reminded of of Paul when he 's in First Corinthians chapter two, and he 's talking to the, the to, to the Corinthians, and he says, "Listen, when I showed up i, I didn 't bring lofty speeches or, or great wisdom. he goes, "I resolved to know one thing that 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 I would preach Christ and him crucified, and that would be it and, and that 's really where we are now that 's not to say that that i don't have political views uh, and and i don 't have thoughts about What's going on in our society? And here's the thing, uh, if, if you're buying, I'll chat with you about it, um, especially if you're buying, anytime. Like today, I don't have any lunch plans, and if you want to buy, I will eat and let you buy my food. Um, I really have no desire for debate uh, when it comes to these matters, but, 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 but I've been working through some questions with God on, on how do I, uh, as a believer, how do I filter the voices that strive to be loudest in my life, uh, and and let's let's just agree for a moment that that being loudest does not necessarily make you most right. Okay, um, I remember when I played basketball at twenty four hour fitness. Apparently, that's the way you settled all arguments. If I could just yell louder than you, then I'm more right than you are, uh, and and that's not any way of having debate or conversation or or, or really relationship. Uh, but but that seems to be our approach in many areas of our lives. Uh, that if I can just be the loudest, uh, then I can be the rightest. And and the problem with that is it's it's dumb. Uh, and so, uh, but I've been working on on these questions. And and here's the thing: it, it's not wrong. It's it's not wrong to educate yourself in current affairs. It's it's not wrong to be informed. In fact, I think that's incredibly important. And, and I've heard people kind of go on, on the flip side of that argument and they say, you know, I don't, I don't watch the news anymore and I don't, uh, I don't really do any reading about it because I, we don't report news, we report opinions. And, and, and I can understand that view and I can understand that frustration, but, but, but I think burying our head in the sand can be just as dangerous as running around with misinformation. Uh, and, and so so God has always told his people, understand this, God has always told his people to be involved in society. And somewhere along the line, the church will, will have this temptation of saying, hey, let's circle the wagons and let's, let's live in a bubble separate from the rest of the world. And unfortunately, that's not available to us. God says that you are to use your gifts and your voice and your influence to st- Speak of his redemptive plan, fully expressed in Jesus. And so, so what, what makes the body of Christ so incredibly beautiful is our allegiance to Christ as our cornerstone. He is the cornerstone of our lives. His love binds us all together in perfect harmony. And and even in, in this biblical community, okay, even in this biblical community, we have some very hardline right-wingers and some very hardline left-wingers and and now, as you're tempted to look around the room and, and find the opposition, right? Uh, let me just encourage stop looking around the room. Nichols there. Gosh, it's hardcore. He's like, who? What? Someone thinking different than me? Never. But you, you need to realize this how the gospel brings the wayward home. And if you are found in Christ this morning, you were once lost but now you are found. And that is the most important aspect of your life. That is. And, and now, so, so we come back to, to our question, how do we filter the many voices and, and where can we find truth and how do, we, how do we walk with God into what feels like very uncertain times? And for me, I find great help in Psalm number one. Uh, in fact, uh, the fact that we, we turn to the Bible Uh, tells us something about our standard of truth. That we need to be able to have a standard through which all other areas of our lives can be evaluated. We need that. And now, the challenge here is that uh, we cannot be the standard of our own lives. Because admittedly, uh, we will confess our fallibilities. So we need a standard that is... Infallible and and so so our beliefs and our values can be wrong at times if we are Setting them and I think this is all part of of growing up And so so what we need is to be able to go to a standard that will never fail us And and so for the Christian we've been gifted With the word and and we've been gifted with an infallible standard in these pages And and that's why uh, in these pages, God reveals His redemptive story, His standard of holiness and how we are to live. And everything can be filtered through His Word. Now, admittedly, some conversations can be more difficult uh, to find than others, but nonetheless, His Word is what equips us to adventure with Him. And that's why I I find it, uh, I'm really amazed with how casual we can become with simply... Not taking the time to read his word for that to not be a part of our daily movement, not a checklist, not not a, a a rut or a ritual that we can say okay once i once I've done it, I can check it off and not feel guilty the rest of my day, but that we would how casually we treat the word is a good indication for the lack of the voice that the church has in our society, okay I say that with love okay and so so so, as we turn our attention to Psalm 1, we're, we're going to talk about uh, obligation versus delight. And, and I believe this will help shape the conversation regarding the ways we filter the views and the voices coming at us, uh, and really how we view our relationship uh, with the Bible to begin with. And so, so Psalm 1 uh, it turns out to be the first book, uh, the first chapter in the book of Psalms, right? That's why we say it, 1. All right, starts with this, and and really uh, it's beautiful because there's 150 psalms, but one will set the tone for the other 149. Okay, it helps us understand from the, this point forward how do we think and how do we feel towards God is written right here, and how we respond in Psalm 1. And it says this: Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers and now this this can appear to be a strange f- way of phrasing how someone is considered blessed because if we're writing it we're like okay we can make this we can write this more efficiently by simply saying uh, don't be wicked don't sin don't scoff right and, and now so so as the author writes we have to ask this question why would he even draw attention to the wicked and the sinner and the scoffer why, why even draw attention to these dangerous places uh, we can be influenced? And, and the reason is, the contrast he wants to draw us to is not wickedness versus righteousness. Because that's a very apparent thing. We know when we are around wickedness. We know when wickedness is trying to rise up in us. And we know when we are around righteousness. And we know when righteous, we can feel righteousness rising up. In us. And so, so the contrast, though, that he wants to draw is being influenced from one place versus being influenced from another place. Being shaped in our, our thinking and feeling by the wicked, the sinner, and the scoffer versus being shaped by the law of God, by God's word. And so, so he sets up verse 1 the way he does to prepare us for the contrast that we find in, in verse 2. that simply says this, So we're talking about how is a person blessed, right? That his delight, okay? And if you like to underline and circle in your Bible, that's a great word. We're going to use it a lot today. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he does what? He meditates day and night. He meditates day and night. He he says, the blessed man delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it constantly you, you have attention to give with your life and so he says don't give your attention to the worldly he says, don't don't give your attention to the wicked and the sinner and the scoffer so that you delight in their ways that 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 kind of walking and sitting and, and standing will not carry with it the blessing of god and so so our delight will fuel our faith okay and understand that faith is not limited to your Christian beliefs. That we place our faith in so many areas of our lives. In fact, um, faith is not limited to just our relationship with God. We can place our faith uh, in, in in our relationships, in our governing authorities, and uh, we can we can place our faith in our in our as we trust. The, the message that comes from our media, we can, we can put our faith in our sport teams to win, even if it looks like they're going to lose. And, and, and where we place our faith will have a connection to where we find our greatest delight, always. In fact, um, this is where worldliness and holiness are often confused because we treat pursuits of holiness as an obligation, Right? Well, God saved me, therefore I must pursue holiness. And it's my obligation to do that. And, and and really what we're doing in that moment is we're forgetting that our holiness and God telling us to walk and live in holy ways isn't as much an obligation, but just a response to when we see Jesus more clearly with our lives and our delight is in God, then we want to live according to The standard that he has said is the best way to live. Is the healthiest, most joy-filled way to live. So so let's put it this way. Nobody walks the way of the wicked out of obligation. Nobody nobody stands with the sinners out of obligation. No one sits in the seat of the scoffers uh, out of obligation. And if we're honest with ourselves, we walk and we stand and we sit there because we want to. Because, because in those moments, our delight is fueling a faith that, that we can have more joy apart from God rather than with Him. That's, that's what it says. and so, so, so the reason we want to do that is because we've been watching them so intently that what they do now is so very attractive. To us, that, that, that we've meditated on them without calling it meditation. We've meditated on that. And, and now we delight in them. And that's, that's how worldliness happens. You look at the stuff the world produces and you look at it and you think about it so much that you want it and you want or you want to believe it. And before long, you've made a decision to walk and stand and sit longing for results you believe will make you more full or more whole. And God comes in and He says, you will never be satisfied there. You will always be searching for more significance. You will always be searching for more empowerment. You'll always be searching for more peace if that's the way you tend to view the world. And so so both, this is why we pay careful attention. We can see the contrast of verse 2 is referring not to obligation and obedience, but really to delight and meditation. That, that my eyes and my heart and my mind really has one focus, okay? And so, so both worldliness and holiness will bring delight. They will. One is fleeting, the other is sustaining. And so, so if we are, if we are pursuing God out of obligation, you will always struggle to delight in Him because you will have one eye on Him and then another eye scanning for something that might bring you more satisfaction. That's the way it is. Okay, and you're like, well, no, that's not true. No, I'm telling you, that's true. Somebody let me have a microphone today. Okay, So let's just assume I'm right. Okay, you will always struggle with that. And so it takes both eyes on him to meditate in a way that grows us in holiness and grows us healthy, which gives us a filter through which to see the rest of the world. And so, so this, is, this is helpful as we approach verse 3, which tells us, the benefits of filtering the voices in our lives through the word of God. It says this, it says he, so we're talking about the man who is blessed because he he looks at the law of God and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted by a stream of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And again, if we're looking for efficiency, this psalm would be much shorter, right? If we were going to rewrite it in accordance to efficiency, we would say, Want to be blessed? Question mark. Don't be wicked. Don't stand in the ways of the sinners. Don't, don't sit in the seat of the scoffers. Instead, meditate on the law of God. And then when you do that, you won't act wicked. And you won't be sinful. And you won't be a scoffer. And then we could say, job done. Nailed it. Three verses. But But again, this isn't about obligation to avoid sin. Rather, we're talking about what happens in life when you delight yourself in God. What's the result? When I delight myself in God, what's the result? And this is why this psalm... Takes a step deeper in helping us see uh, the life of the godly is like a tree that is producing something helpful for all. Right? John Piper says he is a tree uh, planted by streams of water that yields its fruits in season. Uh, its its leaves does do, does not wither, and all he does he prospers. And, and here we see a picture of the Christian life. There there are streams. Of water, This is the life of God flowing through the word of God. You are planted there by God's sovereign grace. Your, your roots reach the water of life that makes your leaves green during the drought. And makes you fruitful when others are barren. That, that when we are planted, the growth comes from the roots and the stream, not the rains. So that, that when a drought comes, and it seems like the world is coming apart and it seems, we have a continual source where, where we can produce fruit for those around us. That's the benefit of a life that's rooted in Christ. It's the benefit of a person who looks at the Word of God and says, I'm going to meditate that on day and night, not out of obligation, but delight. I want to know more want to know more and more and more about what God's heart is for me and how that plays itself out in the rest of the world. And, and so, so when the winds blow and there can seem to be nothing but division and conflict, our branches won't break so easily because we have a source feeding us from the inside out. It's one of the greatest gifts we have. In part, this is where the, the last part of the psalm is leading us to understand. It says, it says, the wicked are not so, but, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So when we have a, a sinfulness, a sinful world trying to speak absolute truth, it is completely incapable of doing that. And it's amazing how easily we will give parts of our heart to a message that has fallen apart by definition. And so we come to the Word and we say, God, help me filter this. Help me know what truth is when it comes to these matters. Again, they're not specifically written in there at times. But God, how does my delight in You affect the rest of my life? How does my delight in you affect the husband and the father and the friend and the employer and the employee? How does that affect all of these voices that are all saying they are most right and yet they can't be all right at the same time? And so, so, so the battle to avoid the counsel of the wicked and the way of the sinner and the seat of the scoffer, the battle... To be righteous and holy and humble is a fight that is won by delight. It is. And that delight is nourished through meditating on God's Word. It really is. And so what I delight in is where my heart will long to be. So, so, so now, that, now that we need to pay careful attention to where our delight leads us and where our appetites drive us, because following God out of reluctant obedience because He saved you in Jesus is not the same as pursuing the heart of the Father because we are so thankful He cares for us so sacrificially. It's not the same. If you have to muster up joy and love for God, your heart is not right with Him. It isn't. If you wake up this morning and you say, I guess I'll go spend time with God's people today, your heart is not delighting in Him. If the, if the avoidance of guilt is your motivating factor for pursuing God, your heart is not right with Him. In fact, let's, let's start wrapping this up, Swan. Delight drives our desire for meditation. And just like meditation drives our desire for delight. It's the way that it, it's the cycle that feeds itself. And, and I, I felt in this season that it's become increasingly difficult to filter for truth. Because we're not looking for truth it seems at times as much as we're just looking to be more right than our competitor. And so, so we have, we have, we have three large issues, in our society when when we look at it. I think right now we have three very loud ones. Uh, It doesn't mean they're less more important or less important than all the others, but there are three that are that are at play over these months. That number one, we have uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic. We have how do we slow this spread? What do we think is is really going on in our lives? So we have that at play, which causes great division. We have um, the, the race relations that are going on in our society. Uh, regardless, again, um, of who's right or wrong, it's something that we are working through. And then here in November, we have what will most, most certainly be a hotly debated um, election. And so, so, so I, I say that to say it's only going to get louder from here on out. It is. And so that's why it's so important for us to come in and say, okay, what lens am I trying to see the world through? Because some of us see it through our Republican eyes, some through our Democratic eyes, some through our Caucasian eyes, some through our black eyes. Some and, and what I'm telling you is that there are flaws in every single one of those lenses. Even if your lens is more right than the other one, there are great flaws in that. And so, where we fall is simply this the lens through which I see my world must be through the lens of a child of God. Must be. Because that has a way of filtering and trickling and covering all of my fallibilities. All, all of my short-sightedness, all of my short temper, all of it gets covered because as I am a child of God and the rest of my, my view and my meditation goes to the heart of the Father, that is a way of affecting the rest of my life. And Now, and that's not, I'm not saying we bury our heads in the sand. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that, that when my, my desire is to focus on who God is and who God has made me to be then i have a lens to see the rest of the world i believe when we do that what is lurking in the darkness is exposed we get to see motives we get to we get to expose the enemy for what he's trying to do which namely at this stage i believe is distract i do i think the enemy says hey if you can if you can make your lens be viewed through a different avenue, that's fine with me. We have been a people, and I'm not just talking about merged community church Christians, about a people in general who have been so incredibly distracted of the things that should matter the most. So that all begins, it's weird when you get to this point, you're like, Did he just spend 35 minutes telling me to read my Bible? Yes. I am. And I'm not trying to encourage you to to read a chapter a day. And I'm not trying to say, hey, if you want to get through it in a year, you know, this is what you got to do. Because meditating on the Word is not an obligation. It's a privilege. And so my encouragement is that that's where you start. That there's a standard of truth out there and we are not it. So we develop a lens through which we see things through the word of God. That's all I got. That's all I got, Word, okay? I'm I'm getting off, man. Stop, Stop tapping your wrist. You don't even have a watch on it. Our desire this week is to love God. Bye. Please stand with me. To wrap up, let me make a couple things available to you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we want to we strongly encourage you to accept His invitation simply to follow. See who He is. Hear what He has done in our lives. We believe there's no way to have a right relationship with the Father except through Him. If you need prayer this morning, we'll have some people over to our to my left, your right, who we want to pray for you. We want to be a people who who share burdens with one another. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your care for us. And we pray this morning. That we would pursue delight in you. That that would be our pursuit today over being more right than someone else. That being more wise than someone else. That we would just delight in the fact that we are your child and you care for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray.